Leviticus 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there, welcome to the Focus 15 podcast. You're listening to episode 14. I am Chris Orr, joined here as always by my beautiful bride, Katie Orr. Hello. And today we are looking at the idea of the context of Scripture. Specifically, we're answering the question, how do I keep from taking a verse out of context? This is a huge deal when you're studying Scripture, and we hope that uh, as you've tuned in, that you um, that this is something that you have thought about before, or at least it's on your radar of something that you don't want to do. And if not, then welcome into the conversation too. Uh, hopefully, this would be helpful for everybody. So, Katie, uh, just start off with what? Why would you want to keep it in context? Or what's what's the what's the issue here? Why do we want to keep verses in context? Well, it's just like any other conversation that we're having. You always want to know the context of that. And I think the greatest way to help illustrate this is to think about if I were to send you a text message. Me or the listener? You, Chris Orr. Dr. Chris Orr. Okay, so if I send you a text message and it says, I heart, capital A, capital U, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And... You were to get that, and somebody else were to have intercepted that somehow. Maybe they saw it pop up on your screen, and they go, oh, what is what is Katie talking about? How would we, we'd have to do some investigative work to figure out what I meant by A and U. There's a couple different things that it could mean. It could mean, it could be that it was around our anniversary, maybe, and I was dropping a oh-so-subtle hit, hint that I love gold since... AU is the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Chemical symbol. Chemical symbol, yeah. That's right. One of us has a chem- has yeah. a science degree. <laughs> okay. Um, that is the symbol for gold, AU. Or it could have been that we were already went on some went someplace for our um, anniversary and we just went to the Outback. And I the Outback was, Steakhouse? No, no, like Australia. Oh. <laughs> and I was... Writing, I was typing this this text to you to say, I love Australia. It's kind of this declaration of a thanks for taking me. That was so much fun. So if that was the context, the, the timing of those would have been around maybe an anniversary or something. Or maybe there's some guy <clears throat> named Andy Underwood who's been creeping into DMs. And I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, maybe I accidentally sent that text to you and I meant to send it to somebody else. And I don't know anybody named Andy Underwood. Yeah. And so... <laughs> If you're listening yeah. and that's your name, we have this is not a setup. <laughs> this is not a confession time. No. Um, or it could be, say it's football season and I'm sitting in the stands and, and I went to Auburn University. So I'm sitting in Jordan-Hare Stadium and there has just been a touchdown and I send this text to you saying, I love AU. Well, if that's the case, then you can be pretty sure that that's what I meant by AU. But... The only person who knows 100% what AU means is who? Uh, I'd have to say you. Me, because I'm the writer of the text. So similarly, we have to do some digging and some investigative work to know what the writer of the biblical text meant when they wrote certain phrases, words, letters, etc. Yeah, so some kind of underlying assumptions that we're operating under here is one that there is a context. And we believe that every scripture is it, it was written, but it wasn't written in a vacuum. 
it was written by a person. It was written to a person or to a, a select group of people uh, or a church. Um, and it was written for a specific occasion. It was written during a specific time in history. All of that goes into the context. And so if you want to keep from taking a verse out of context, one of the most important things is to know the context. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't know the context of the passage, then it's very easy to, I think, make mistakes and, you know, well-intended mistakes. Um, and so one of the things that we want to do is make sure that we know the context. So some things that would be helpful to you as you uh, understand uh, how to figure out what the context is is to look for the, what we would call the three A's, the author, the audience, and the aim. The author is the person who wrote it, just like Katie is the one that wrote the text that said, I love AU. And you want to figure out, okay, who is the author, and uh, and what does that tell us? What do we know about this particular author? Um, another one would be the audience. That's the second A, the audience. Who is this author writing to? Um, what is the relationship that they have? Uh, what is specific about this audience, and where where is that audience located? What are the things that they are dealing with as a church or as a group? Um, and then the last A is the aim. What is the purpose for the letter? Uh, almost every single, especially in the New Testament book or letter that's written, it's always written to a group of people with a specific purpose in mind. And so understanding what that purpose is will help you to understand why the author is writing and will help you to keep the context in mind. Um, one of the other things that you can do besides the three A's, the author, audience, and, and aim, is to understand the whole context of the book itself. And so if you're reading through uh, Galatians and you see something about circumcision, which is found a lot in that, in that letter, um, it would be helpful to know the, to, to have read all the way through Galatians to be able to see Paul's flow of, th of thought and why he's writing about circumcision at that point. Um, and so on shorter books like uh, New Testament letters and New, Te New Testament epistles, you can kind of sit down and five or ten minutes you can read the whole thing. Other books like Isaiah, I mean, you could be reading there for, for hours and hours before you ever get to the end. And so one of the ways that you can understand the author's flow of thought is by reading the whole book. Or another way to kind of shorten that is to find some sort of outline. So a lot of people have gone through books of the Bible and they've outlined kind of the structure of the book, and you can find those in study Bibles and uh, commentaries. You can find them online. All sorts of uh, all sorts of ways that you can kind of get a Cliff's Notes version of the overall flow of thought of the author uh, in the uh, in that particular book. And Katie, I know you've got another cheat that you uh, kind of like a like a outline hack. Yes, outline hack. So. You know, most of the times we're not going to Galatians 1.1 to study. Um, I mean, you could be if you were going to be studying the whole point of Galatians, the whole book of Galatians. But a lot of times someone will say, hey, go look up, you know, Colossians 4.2 or Isaiah 26.13 or whatever. So you may not have time to read the whole book like Chris was talking about. And you may... Um, Hopefully, if you have a study Bible, then you can quickly look at the outline at the front of it. But another just easy, easy, quick cheat is that whenever you pick up in the middle of a book is to take just two minutes and flip. It might not even take two minutes, but flip back to the beginning of that book and then just read all of the headings that are in your Bible. And so, and, and as you read those headings, you'll kind of get the big picture because it's really a summary. It's a title of the, the coming verses. And so... 
just read that real quick. It might jog your memory of some things of, oh yeah, that I was reading in John and this happened right after this happened with Jesus. You know, it'll kind of jog your memory of stories that you already know. So it's a really quick and easy way to find the context. All right. And one of the uh, kind of underlying assumption that we have whenever we approach scripture is that we believe that the Bible is uh, completely inerrant, um, meaning that we, be- we believe the Bible is free from error. We believe that God uh, has breathed out His Word, has inspired every verse, and, uh, and we believe that the Bible does not contradict itself at any point. Now, there are some teachings in the Bible that we, that we think it's kind of, they're harder to hold together at the same time, but we don't believe that those are inherent contradictions. We just think that those are some areas that, uh, that it's uh, incumbent upon us. It's our responsibility uh, to, to hold those things as true at the same time. But the, but the big headline here is we believe that the Bible is completely true in all that it teaches. And so as we approach the scripture with that understanding and with that, um, uh, I guess you'd call it a presupposition, um, we understand that we want to keep the verse not only in context with the passages before and after, um, and not only with the with the book that it finds itself in, we also want to keep it in context of the whole counsel of God's Word. And so, uh, as you are reading in a particular book, if you find uh, a verse that kind of doesn't make sense, you can look and see, okay, where else has this author used this phrase or used this terminology? And you can do that by looking in that book, or if that, that author has written several books in the Bible, you can, you can do a, maybe a cross-reference and see how that author has used those terms or those words or, those, or expressed those ideas maybe in ways that are, are a little bit more clear for the questions that you're asking. Um, so cross-references can be a good way of doing that. Um, but one of the ways that, uh, that we keep from taking things out of context is by understanding the context of the whole Bible and knowing that God's not going to contradict himself. And so if we come to something that's a little fuzzy or that doesn't quite make sense, um, and this might get a little into the interpretation side of things, but one of the things that will always be helpful to you is if you get to something that you're like, I don't understand what this means, and, you're, and you don't want to take it out of context is always try to find uh, a, a place where the Bible speaks more clearly on that exact issue than it does the, the less clear thing that you're, that you're reading at the moment. So, mm-hmm. for instance, this morning, uh, this, is, this is a Sunday that we're, that we're recording this on. This morning, uh, our sermon passage was, was from John chapter 6, and Jesus says some things that um, at, at first glance seem a little strange. He talks about people eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and that unless you do Sounds that... Sounds like a Walking Dead episode. Exactly. I don't know if we need to like credit AMC uh, channel, but uh, <laughs> oh, no. you know, trademark, copyright, whatever. Mm. Um, but So Jesus talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And if you don't do this, you can't be saved. And so is Jesus saying that we have to take the Lord's Supper in order to, uh, to, to earn salvation? Is he saying we actually have to, to eat his body and blood to, to, to be saved? And so... While the John 6 is not necessarily talking about how we get saved, it's more talking about things that are true of people who are saved. And so one of the things that we can try to figure out in keeping that verse in context with the whole counsel of God's Word is to go to places where it's very clear what the author is saying about salvation. And so I would contrast the uh, kind of the fuzziness of John chapter 6 on that particular topic 
with something that's very clear, like Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace that you're saved through faith. It's not a result of works. It's a gift of God so that no one may boast. Mm -hmm. And so the very clear teaching of Scripture is that we can't earn salvation. And so the one thing that John 6 can't mean, 48 to 59, one thing that that passage can't mean is that by taking the Lord's Supper, we are earning salvation. Mm -hmm. Because that would be a violation of of truth that is very clearly communicated elsewhere. And so to to summarize that, that, uh, this kind of this topic... It would be always interpret the unclear passages in light of the clear passages. You really can take things out of context when you take a, an unclear passage and you say, okay, this unclear passage is going to make all these other clear passages go away and they now um, bow in submission to this unclear passage. In fact, that's really how a lot of cults get started mm-hmm. by taking this, taking something that's kind of fuzzy or unclear in one, one area and completely ignoring the whole counsel of God on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's these are some ways that we can keep things in context. Know the context, um, know the author, audience, and aim, know the outline, be familiar with the author's flow of thought, uh, look at section headings, um, that will be helpful. But also just knowing the overall flow of Scripture and knowing that God is not going to contradict Himself. Uh, he's given us His words that we can know Him. And part of, uh, part of knowing Him is knowing His character, knowing that He's good, he wants us to know what the truth is, and even though sometimes that means we got to do some hard work and some passages to figure that out, that's part of the fun, I think, of of what it is that we've set up, set out to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think another example of how the context really helps us understand the meaning of a passage is in First Corinthians thirteen, which is a very, very familiar passage that love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast, on and on and on, and it's used in tons of weddings and and can be on coffee cups and uh, pretty pictures on the on the wall, um, but in reality, that this it, it certainly applies to marriage. But this uh, this passage is more about the church loving one another. And when you look at the context of Paul writing to an immature, divided church that um, had written Paul a bunch of questions like, how do we do this? And what should we do here? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And they were asking Paul all these questions because they were fighting over a bunch of stuff. And each side of the issue wanted Paul to set the other straight. They were fighting over whose gift was better. Was it speaking in tongues or was it prophecy or 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 which one was better, Paul? Tell us which is better. And he said, you know what? You're missing the point. It doesn't matter. Yes, you have your gift. Desire to have a gift and use it for God's glory, but love one another. That is greater, is to love one another. And so the person that you're frustrated with, the person that you're not getting along with, love them because that is the better way to do it. When we study the passage in the context of realizing that this is not just about gushy emotions, but this is a choice to love somebody that is unlovable, a choice to love somebody who's done us wrong. That's just one of many, many examples of how the context can really open up the meaning of a passage. Well, hopefully this has kind of sparked some things in your own study life that will be helpful to you. But uh, thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, check back next episode for our last podcast episode of the season. See ya! Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focused 15 ministry, go to Focused15.com. Have a great week!